Ablative armor. Cloaking device. Oh yeah. Overpowered. Overgunned. Oh yeah. Designed for one purpose. To get me hard. Oh yeah. It's time for the rules of acquisition. Hello and welcome to the rules of acquisition. A podcast where we will be talking about what really and truly we're not shitting you this time no uh it really is the greatest tv show um yeah it's it's the best and and it's it's getting easier to say that now as we're moving into the third season (laughs) we're talking about star trek deep space nine this is the rules of acquisition we're going through every episode of star trek deep space nine uh with me as always is james nolan Hey guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. How are we doing this evening? I'm doing well. Uh, my name is Wade Bowen, and you know that. Yep, you've been with us. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're just turning on because you've finally gotten to what somebody told you was maybe a good starting place in a good season of DS9. Or maybe you think there's another season to go before it gets great. I don't know. But yeah, anyways, we're talking about Deep Space Nine, and we're at the beginning of season three. Yes. We're talking about today. We're talking an episode called. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're good. We're a little rusty. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Wait. We take two weeks off and we come back a bunch of fucking. Oh, no. <laughs> Get your shit together, guys. I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, are you serious? Sometimes I don't. I mean, for fuck. No, no. It's me that's stuttering and not remembering how to talk about what we're doing here. Uh, yeah, we're talking about season three, episode one called The Search. Part one. Yes. I think you're about to say that, Hugh, right? Yes. The Search Part One. It originally aired on September 26, 1994. The IMDb description is as follows. Instead of waiting for the Jim Hadar to attack, Cisco wants to try a different tack, which that rhymes. That's weird. He wants to take <laughs> a new class starship to try to find the founders. Yeah. Yes. So the beginning of this episode, we find everybody putting their heads together in ops. And it's a, this is actually one of the most Star Trekky traditional Star Trek episodes I think we've had in a long while. It starts off with like a meeting, which they don't have too many meetings in Deep Space. Well, it, it technically starts off with Majel Barrett, like previously on Star Trek, <laughs> Deep Space Nine. And then they have a recap because this is technically part of a three-parter. I guess so. Surprise, surprise. You thought, because season two ended with a to be continued. And then they're just like, uh, oh, yeah, right. Okay, yeah. Previously on, this happened, and then they start up with what you were just saying. Yeah. With, we're fucked. <laughs> yes, they're, they're having a meeting, and they come to the conclusion that basically they're fucked. And then um, their meeting is interrupted by a mysterious ship that Oof. appears. And who does it turn out to be, guys? Turns out to be the greatest... Cisco! Cisco and the greatest ship in the entire Starfleet, well, the USS Defiant. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Okay. Yeah, I can't wait to get into the Defiant stuff. When do you guys want to unpack that? Or do you guys want to talk about them? I actually have. There is a one of the things that I found interesting for this whole season, but specifically for this episode, is that, well, Michael Piller left because he wanted to go start Voyager. Michael Piller was under the impression that Deep Space Nine would get canceled. Uh-uh. And he was trying to get, <laughs> and, and Voyager was going to be the new Star Trek flagship show. It was going to be Voyager, it was going to be the new, you know, Enterprise, and this show was still going to be a shitty show, and he tried to take Iris Stephen Bear with him. Oh, shit. And Iris Stephen Bear's like, no, fuck you, I'll just take I'll just take your job on this show. So that all happened. While they did that, 
Rick Berman, which is a total Ferengi move. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. which is yes, yes. <laughs> There's what rule of acquisition is that, motherfucker? Uh, yeah. like, when the boss leaves, <laughs> take his job. That's basically yes. Quark leaving and leaving the bar to Rom. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and we all, and Rom, Rom's got ideas. He yeah, Rom, Rom's smart. He can do things. Okay, so one of the things that Rick Berman did was he commissioned a marketing report, which I've I've had to work at places that have done this before, and the marketing report did a bunch. Of, you know you do a bunch of like whatever marketing focus groups and all this shit. Yeah. focus groups and all this shit and they're like you get a bunch of teenage boys in a room like why aren't you watching this fucking show so uh after the mar- and they were like they don't go anywhere and exactly then they, they said there was not enough action and more importantly than the action and this is actually true there was not enough adventure fair enough and i think that 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 was like this whole show was like we're we're going on a adventure you know it's war and everything but it's an adventure we got to find little things that the only characters that anyone liked remotely were quark and odo check they liked cisco but he was not respected by any member of of the focus groups and they was considered feckless and the other one was all of the religion episodes were shit and you should dump them (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's a common complaint yeah so that's what the marketing came with and so, so you left with Iris Stephen Bear now running the whole show with his protege Robert Hewitt Wolf, and then Ronald D. Moore came on. And Ronald D. Moore wrote this episode. We all know Ronald D. Moore because we we like TV. We like good th- <laughs> we like good things and talented people, so we know who he is. So that was when they decided, like, okay, let's do the defiant. Let's go out there. Let's kick ass. And so that it was really like this was the point where Iris Stephen Bear really sort of put his hooks in the show and got the show that he wanted to do. Huh. So I think that there, it's not just. That the show got better it was like that there was a decidedly like a change of management you know right right there was just, they yeah. had a vision for the show yes it had a vision for yeah. the show and they were actually and i and i hate to say this but actually listening to some of the marketing they took good stuff you know when you have talented people writing towards what fans didn't like about it it's work it'll start working again they don't abandon religion at all no yeah sure you're right but you add it into the forefront of you know action if you give people what they want the shit they don't want becomes you know they if if you put religion in an action adventure show they might like it more you know right right uh who was it just said recently that uh, oh no that people don't know what they want or people oh wait a minute that was uh the director of star trek (laughs) to the wrath of khan and star trek 60 on discovered country the fans don't know what they want or yeah whatever or you can't trust them so i think they really took that and and really uh really went for it the other thing that i was noticing this episode is this show looks different yeah and so i was trying to like than the other two seasons and I was trying to figure out why and it's because the DP uh, of the show went with everybody literally it was like a fire sale everybody went over to Voyager for some reason they got like the the, that Rick Berman only cared about Voyager Michael Piller went over to Voyager but so the DP went over and they got a new DP and he was like and he changed all of the lenses to telephoto lenses nice which is why everything is cleaner the face the the facial features are are a lot you know like you you get better because everything they were doing with wide angled lenses yeah yeah yeah. It also makes uh, like the ship, the the actual sets look nicer. Yeah, yeah. The telephoto lens. That's so, great. So that so was like, yeah. If they had a fire sale and they took all the popular people, how did they get Ronald D. Moore? Because he was still, he was kind of a big dog on TNG. He was a big dog, and he was writing the first movie with Brian or uh, uh, Brandon Braga. Yeah, Brandon yeah. Braga. Yeah, I think Ronald Moore is just to do what he wants to do kind of guy. Yeah, I think Ronald D. Moore liked. I think he liked Iris Stephen Bear. 
and I don't think he liked Rick Berman. Uh, uh-huh. And so, like, uh, or or and maybe Michael Piller. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm just guessing uh, on that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, him and Braga had a falling out eventually. Yeah. 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 But they were friends then. I think. They were. I mean, they were. Yeah. I mean, not like. Hey, man. I don't know shit. I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna talk shit like that. Like. Hey, I'm I'm glad that he came to this show. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, Ronald D. Moore came to this show, and it was it, 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 to its credit. To yeah, its... well, it makes sense. He's like, yes, yeah, if, like, oh, you want to go to the show where they're lost in the Delta Quadrant, where you can't do any cool shit with the Klingons? That is kind of where you staked your claim. Like, yeah, oh, I'll go to the show where I can deal with the my toys. You know. Yeah, this is kind of the point where you go. This is it's, at least from a production standpoint. This is where like the band got the lineup that eventually made all their good albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, this was a. Uh, Mick Jones and everybody, you know, Mick Jones joins the Rolling Stones. And that's when the Rolling Stones put out album, great album after great album. So I think that's where you're at now is that the band, bad idea, people left, good idea, people stayed. And I'm calling Iris Stephen Bear a good idea person. So you've you've made your switch now. You're you're on his side. Well, yeah, it's hard to like. It's hard to not. It's hard not to be. It's hard not to be at this point. So, yes, I'm, I'm a man who changes. I can admit when I'm wrong. All right. That's that's rather that's rather big of you. <laughs> and talk about like things getting better. Like I well, <laughs> I don't know if this is an awkward transition or not, but we're talking about things getting better or people making things look better, like and that I guess it's the uh, cold open after the previously on. Jadzia's hair gave man is on point. Yeah. <laughs> She's kind of, would she have that the in the last episode? I don't remember. But like I don't know. <laughs> Jadzia's hair was working for you. Well, I'm just saying <laughs> it was right? it was complex. It was weird looking. I thought it was appropriate. I thought it was like it did look like there was some thought put into it. There was some thought. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a hairdresser. I'm just saying it probably took some work. And it was like, <laughs> it's like, OK, they did something there. And she looks it's hey, if it's not like the 90s haircuts that we had at the beginning of season two. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Where they're just like, oh, yeah. just whatever your hair was in 1993, just come in extra, put your hair up and you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll apply some shit to your forehead to make you look like an alien. And then we'll. Yeah. No, I think. Uh, yeah. I think this. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so do we want to talk about the Defiant? I think this yeah, is the yeah, perfect then, time. Then, this is yeah. I, the I had a quick thought about it real quick. It's, what we find out about the Defiant is that it's sort of like a, they're kind of getting this Federation sloppy seconds here. <laughs> so in other words, the Defiant is tough, but its toughness makes it kind of a shitty ship. So it <laughs> yeah. fits in really well with the whole character of Deep Space Nine. It is a yeah, it's yeah. highly specialized machine. Uh, that also kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's overgunned and overpowered, but it's also like it can't hold its shit together because it's too much. Yes, and one of the things I noticed is that, like they kind of like have to rebuild it, but don't they keep rebuilding it? <laughs> they keep well, making modifications I mean, until it's just like I don't want to get too far ahead because I don't quite remember. Yeah, right. I actually, I'm at I'm at a point where I don't quite remember things and i did i just did a rewatch a couple years ago so i was at the end of this episode and not to ruin anything because we're not there yet i'm like i don't even remember how they get out of this scrape yeah i'm kind of there too (laughs) i rewatched this episode a few months ago i was like i i didn't follow up and watch the conclusion no all right. Yeah, when I watched the second, oh, I've already watched the second one. Uh, halfway through it, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, oh I, I know, I remember what's going on. Okay. But my my question about the Defiant is actually because it's been time has elapsed. It's been like six months, or they say like eight months. It's been time since they blew up the Odyssey, which happened on that previously. Mm. They blew up an Enterprise, basically. Yeah. Last episode was crazy. Uh, a, gal- a galaxy, a galaxy class, class starship. starship. 
that wasn't the Enterprise, but it freaked a lot of people out in the commercials. We'll just say that. Yes. They blew that up. And then so, and this is a next on kind of, except they don't say, yeah. But it's been like six months later, Cisco's been gone. And then they're talking about everybody but Cisco is like, hey, if the Dominion comes, we're fucked. And then uh, we should go to Bajor or whatever that conversation is. And then Cisco shows up and says, hey, everybody, I've got this awesome ship that I came. Because he's been back at Earth debriefing for months or whatever, you know, and he's taken his son with him, apparently. We'll get to that later. But mm-hmm. but then Cisco talks about the Defiant and he's like, I specifically asked for this ship. This is a question I had. And it, it's a confidential, it's a classified project at all and he says oh i was back at earth and i asked for it specifically how did he know about it because well maybe when it was developed it was classified and then when it turned out to be a shit box they declassified it and then he heard about yeah. it i would imagine that's but what i don't did. think it was ever declassified until this point because well, they're I all mean, like you're not gonna... what are you talking because they're like he's in it's an it's well, officially listen, an escort vessel they're in the frontier space i'm sure they don't get i'm sure they're not reading federation blogs and i'm sure the federation <laughs> isn't bragging about their shit box they developed i don't know it's unclear because he's here's the, let me let me ask a question that maybe is pivotal offic- to this. it's officially an escort vessel unofficially it's a warship designed to take out the Borg. so wait a minute and oh. they shit boxed it when when they killed the Borg or when that Hold was on, I got one question about this. Was the cloak built in at the time it was shitboxed, or did they add that in with Cisco on his voyage on the Defiance mission? Well, I don't, and that makes it more interesting. I no, they stopped. They stopped on the way back from Earth to Romulan space to pick up the cloak. They the cloaking two different places. The cloaking device, and then talk to the Grand Nagus, and we can get to that in a little bit. A little bit, yeah, but I don't think that they developed it without the cloak. I think no, they developed it without the cloak. No, it's like the Romulans came on the angry nerd corner. I don't know the <laughs> the Romulans came on because the Romulans no, the, were the Romulans aren't going to give give him a cloak a cloaking device before the Jim Hadar. The Romulans don't. We learn later the Romulans aren't even. They're not even that threatened by as threatened by the the Dominion as the Federation is. So, but they are that threatened by the Borg. So. As far as I know, they had to develop the Defiant with this technology in mind. You can't just the way that I read it, and then I assumed I had no reason to think it wasn't this case was that because it was developed against the Borg that were a threat to the Romulans, and that's why the Romulans allowed them to try to get the cloaking technology in. And then when the Dominion comes up as a threat, they're like, "Okay, we'll we'll let you do that, but we have to send the person with you." But there's no reason to think that the Romulans weren't involved when it was just developed against the Borg, because the Borg are a bigger threat than anything, right? Okay, so basically we don't know. They do. They wouldn't bring the Romulans on for the Dominion threat when the Dominion is not a threat to them. I don't know. Actually, well, you're making an you're making an assumption based on later evidence. Well, but I'm, there's also no evidence that they were threatened by the Dominion to add the cloaking device in later after that you're right so either way they they sort of yada yada how how everybody found out about this thing yeah right <laughs> i think it's safe to say that they yada yada it and uh one of the things that i'll i'll admit to uh, a problem over the next two episodes at least is that i love romulans they're my favorite they're my absolute favorite and i and i don't think i can be biased but uh i was i'm always super happy really yeah yeah i love romulans did, did you love subcommander to rule i did i i thought yeah i i thought she was pretty great addition yeah i, I liked yeah. what we saw so far i'm not here to shit talk the lady yeah no i, I just love when no, she comes she, on man she loves this show is it's like pre 9 11 
It's pre-reality <laughs> shows, but what's one of the first things she comes when she says? What is one of the first things she says when she comes on board? Anybody? I don't know what she said. I'm not here to make friends. And I'm not here to make friends. Oh, yes. I'm not here to like, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm here to win this contest. Like, oh, you're right. I didn't even notice like, that. Hey, oh, listen to her ass. This is, hey, this, that's like a classic phrase she's, from 2000. She's the Richard Hatch. She's the Richard Hatch. Yeah. Talk about this show being ahead of its time. This show <laughs> came perfect. out with the phrase, I'm not here to make friends, well before you're the reality right. show boom. That's blowing my mind right now but that 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 itself is like hey so slight slight spoilers i think this is fine uh so that actress is cast in this episode and the next episode and then is totally dropped <laughs> sure and she was told she was a new addition to deep space nine. Oh, they- oh she's definitely <laughs> acting like she's a new addition she's not acting yes. like she's like there for two days but she- i think they forgot to write for her or <laughs> i don't know what it was but they ended up firing her and then like the actress like was pissed yeah and so they ended up giving her a role on Voyager, if you remember. She's on Voyager. As the same character? No, as uh, the Bajoran Maquis member who turns out to be oh. a Car- spoilers for Spoilers for Voyager, so they, who turns out not, to be a Cardassian. Not only do they kick her off of Deep Space Nine, they make her the alien race from Deep Space Nine yes. on the other show. Yes, she's a Bajoran who is a Cardassian, <laughs> who's really a Cardassian. Right, right, I remember that. And she's she's in love with Chicote. Chicote, yes. She was, yeah. She she was Chicote's side piece, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, she was. He was fucking her, right? Yep. Yeah. That's what it says on IMDb. Yeah. It says uh, Chicote side piece. <laughs> but that's what she's that's what she's listed under. Yeah. So Tarul is not here to make friends. And then Eddington, another character. That <laughs> maybe, keeps, oh, Michael Eddington is on this. Yeah, yes, he this who, first time who is him. a recurring character. That's all I'll say. And about is a it. very pivotal. Yeah. yeah, is a very pivotal but character. He comes on after I'm not here to make friends. He's like I'm. I'm here to make friends. And then, uh, <laughs> well, I am here to make friends. Like, literally, he says, but I am here to make friends. And then Odo is like, fuck you, and then runs off to his room to. That's when I reminds me, I don't love the show more than when someone is stepping on Odo's dick. When Odo has to be like dick stepped Odo, dick bruised Odo, I love that. Like Michael Eddington does. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, when, yeah. Eddington is going to be around for a while. We established that, right? Yeah. I mean, he is somebody who's going to be. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, we, yeah, you, yeah. you really get that feeling from that scene, too. Yeah. Kind of got a shit. Right, right. They introduced these two major characters this Romulan and, and this other guy. Oh, they'll both bef- definitely be around for a while, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, how many times How many times has Odo's job been in jeopardy throughout the first two seasons? I think it's twice. I think we had the Premen. Was that his name? Premen, Lieutenant Premen, yeah. and then Lieutenant Premen, who I loved. And, and I think again later on, didn't it? The, the Bajorans like... didn't like him because they thought he was, well, I mean, yeah, mate, was there was something else? You're right. Was that when they evacuated the station? Pop. I can't remember. I, I can't remember either. But it seems like that there was some sort of issue, but maybe not. But it seems like there was. But you get the lieutenant premise, right? Like he's he's sulked and said, "I quit a couple of times." Yes, so like. yes. <laughs> he he is he is a bit of a diva about his job, and and I enjoy that. Well, because he wants to be an authoritative, you know. Yeah. Ruler, basically. He wants to have... He wants the full Patriot you know, Act. That's <laughs> what he wants. Right. He's like, you Federation and your bullshit civil liberties, basically, <laughs> mm-hmm. Cisco. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Which is weird. I, I and, feel and, like that the show gives his perspective on that much more leeway and credence 
than it would. I mean, again, I know we talked about this before, but it it continues. To, I continue to marvel mm-hmm. at the respect they give his authoritative authoritarian impulse. I don't think that I don't think we get that today. I think we get that in 1993 because we're done. We just kicked the Soviets' ass. Yeah, or 94, and and most of that is it appears to be ebbed away on the world stage, mm-hmm. and so you could kind of have it and not feel like you need to hammer home some sort of point of view against yeah. it. Right. Well, and it's also, it's pre nine 11. So like you it, post that you either have to say, Hey man, shit, you know, like the Patriot act, you have to, or else you have to go full liberal, like, Oh, or we can't give up who we are, which is actually <laughs> what these face nine does yeah. later on a little bit. And, but, uh, and I appreciate that in 1993, they couldn't imagine that, all, everybody would carry around personal computers in their pockets that know what their heartbeat is and what porn they watch. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I get that, that we're living in a stranger time and this, this information is like there's more information available than they probably even thought, you know, was. Yeah, but, was, but they did get the iPad right. And then also <laughs> even in Deep Space Nine, the not knowing what you're doing at, at lunch or whatever and or social contact, uh, I'm just going to look at my a uh, data pad. <laughs> My data pad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they got, and I mean, even even whenever in those uh, next generation episodes where somebody's just like chilling in their quarters, you know, and they're they're listening to some cheesy ass <laughs> classical music, fake or real classical, right. and they're just talking to the computer. That's just like me in my kitchen talking to my... Your Alexa? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your digital assistant of choice. <laughs> yeah, it's basically, you know, right. It's the same thing, though. It's so much easier just to ask a computer verbally than to get a phone out of your pocket, open the app, scroll to what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's almost like I take that for granted now when I'm watching that. When I was like 13, it was mind-blowing that they would do something like that. And now here I am, you know, almost 40 and it's a, it's a reality. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or it's just like Archer, Archer in enterprise is watching his water polo matches on his pad. And it's like three years before the, like four or five years before the iPad actually is developed. And you're thinking to yourself, man, that's kind of a shitty iPad in the future. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And now that you're mentioning that, how much more would I, would I bond with the Alexa if it had Majel Barrett's voice? <laughs> it's coming. Oh, I. That was, it's coming. That's coming. There, like the Star Star Trek patch for the. Oh, for the oh, oh no! I've seen articles about it. They're they're because they're trying to piece together how to do it for Discovery. And once they do it for Discovery, once they can replicate a computer to sound like her, you know that shit's going to come out as like an iPod, you know, an Apple app or oh, yeah, just are something you, are you a patch sh- you can download. Are you shitting me that then I could turn my i I could turn my Amazon Echo into a into Majel Barrett's? Oh, that would be great. Oh, it, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm pretty sure it's on its way. Yeah. So we're we're okay. So anyway, <laughs> well, yeah, all these, so all these they're people not, are now on. They're not racist. Or Cisco's like, come on, no, no, it's not racist. Yeah, and let's, yeah this let's, is. A he says, tacky. "Don't make." Th- he says, "Don't make this a racial issue." <laughs> <laughs> Don't play the race card, Odo. Which is weird. How, which is so how weird. those words must have stuck in Avery Brooks's throat. You know, he must have yeah. just, to, to have to. You know what? Right, because I mean? he's 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 pretty woke. You know, just Avery Brooks as a person. Sure. <laughs> right. Well, I don't want to dwell on that too long. I just think that that's kind of a that's kind of an icky thing. They're not always 
I don't think that like the white science fiction fans in the mid '90s probably weren't the most self-aware group. <laughs> yes, no. uh, I agree. because they're not right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. What you mean? All those like nerdy white guys on Twitter aren't like the most uh, you know firm advocates and allies to people that aren't white guys that play video games. Right, and if you object to that, you can you can you're more than welcome to give us a call. And let us know <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Please do. So um, now once we got everybody on the Defiant and they're heading towards certain death and uh, actually Cisco and Dax have a really good conversation about that, about who Cisco is as a commander and like where he needs to be. And I think this is where we get that real firm reset and focus on Cisco as a character. Yeah. And you really feel like the there's a sense of urgency and direction that we haven't had in a while. Really, yeah, it's really good. Like everybody's, it seems to me every character's firing on all cylinders for the most part here. But it's about time we got good Cisco stuff. You know, three, yes. th- three seasons in, and it's like they they haven't known what to do with them, and it feels like we're getting. Well, started. and he gets, and then after the Dax stuff, he we, he recruits Quark against his will, and he's like Batman. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's like one, he's like a master tech tactician. Like he on the way back from, from Earth, as we said earlier, he stopped by and he basically got in cahoots with the Grand Nagus, right, and forces Quark's hand to come <laughs> along on the Gamma Quadrant. Yeah. Quark has got the only lead. On any sort of contact to the right. Dominion, because ba- clearly they blew their budget and couldn't afford Wallace Shawn. Yeah, so it's kind of a weird kind of tacked on scene, but it is. It's fine. It does what it needs to do. It just feels like, oh, okay. How do we make Quark come along? Well, here you go. Here. Mm. Yeah, I think that, and I was, I believe that the kissing of the. Oh yes, yes, the kissing, the of kissing the, of the staff. Of the staff. I feel like that 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 was a little tonally weird. I think everything. I of, loved it. <laughs> Fucking Armin Shimmerman's mins his like <laughs> mosey 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 kiss bye. Uh, I loved how weird that I was. I loved it so. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yes, I loved how weird that was. One of my favorite parts. That might be one of my top ten Deep Space Nine moments. So far. <laughs> it really was. I, maybe too. Yeah. Uh, Armin Shimmerman hates that scene because he believes that it was the Federation <laughs> mocking Ferengis and they should be above that. He, yeah, he really likes. Standing up for Ferengis. You know what? He might not be wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, because the that that goofy ass smile that Cisco gives to the camera after he just like it's. I mean, I love that. So yeah. just like he him meekly going up. Okay, pick. And then weirdo Avery Brooksisms like that smile he gives. What kiss? Weird Cisco face. It was super weird. Yeah, it was super weird. But I, I tonally, I loved. You know how many nerds must have squirmed at the, the eroticism of that scene <laughs> yeah. in 1994? You know how many? I just love how uncomfortable it must have made the audience at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just holding a rod at a hip level and saying, kiss the rod. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> right. Yes. While smiling. Kiss the tip of this, which is a head. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Which already is, yes, is an evocative uh, <laughs> yeah. alien shape. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're on the ship and basically everything once they get on the Defiant and start going into the Gamma Quadrant. I loved everything about this episode. Yeah. Just because it was... Yeah, there's the one... Actually, the one character that maybe doesn't do a whole lot in this thing is Bashir. Yeah. But he's even... Even he gets nice when they put Quark on the Defiant. Bashir says something nasty. He's like, I take that as a personal insult. And Bashir is like, yeah, you should, motherfucker. He just, like, throws so much shade at him. 
that's the strongest just one line from Bashir of him being a dick that yeah. <laughs> played better than a whole season's worth for me. Yeah, it was light on Bashir, which I thought was appropriate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't fit everybody in. And- yeah, and the Defiant is really a little shitbox, isn't it? I mean, those quarters that they have to have those scenes in, mm-hmm. the court quarters where he's got bunk beds with, with Odo, that was a horribly claustrophobic scene. Yeah, and there's no sick bay because they actually talk about this. Some of the stuff that I read talks about the uh, like why they want the Defiant to be so small, why uh, Iris even Bear wanted it to be that small is so that it had a real true like nuclear submarine sort of feel to it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like so that they could do and I think that this effectively does a sort of a submarine thing where they even dim the lights for the cloaking device. Yeah, when the cloaking device goes on, yeah. Yeah, and everything's super small and tight. And then they have to go silent running when they stop the ship. Yeah, and, and also the reason that it's small is because... Yeah, and it also doesn't hurt the budget. It doesn't yeah, it hurt the doesn't budget, hurt. but the other reason it's small is because Rick Berman hated it. And I'm going to just assume because its tits weren't big enough. But no, like, Rick Barman hated the idea of a defiance. And I think that they just said, well, it's a little ship. It's kind of like a runabout is what they told him to get him to greenlight it. Oh, really? And then made it into something else. Yeah. So I think that part of it was that they, they sort of had a plan for it to be a smaller, meaner thing than the giant fluorescent lighted holiday in lobby of, of the enterprise of the enterprise yeah yeah, yeah. so i i mean they wanted it to be more sort of a mean and more sort of visually to 20th century americans militaristic sort of vehicle mm-hmm. and and i think that works and i love everything about that and i think that even makes it better in some ways it does that kind of stuff better than even like balance of terror which is my favorite episode is the original series uh-huh. because then they're still having a marriage they're still having a wedding on the ship and, and that episode <laughs> yeah this right. is like no we're this is about business you know yeah yeah necessary personnel only yeah. yeah and it's unfortunate because if everybody dies on this particular mission there'll be nobody left on the station <laughs> to basically run things or have a television show so, <laughs> right yeah it's like we're not watching the eddington show yeah we automatically have uh i'd watch the garrick show though <laughs> yeah garrick and eddington the adventures of garrick and eddington and rom yes yeah, right it wouldn't be much of a show. So the stakes are, you definitely feel that they, they might not come back alive. Mm-hmm. The stakes are really felt for the first time, probably since the, yeah, maybe ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really does feel like they're, they're outgunned. Yeah. The first two seasons, like we say, we were saying before, one of the notes they got that there wasn't enough adventure in this show. It's like, well, we'll give you adventure. Everybody's yeah. in peril now. <laughs> you know, and you've got a clearly defined mission. You have these scenes to acquire the mission. They got to go talk to the wine merchant. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, from that, they have to like, look, you know, and so there's oh, right. The, uh... Yeah, no, it was pretty interesting and well done. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they, go to the wine merchant which the stupid red paint aliens the ones that they went to the court goes to going back to rules of acquisition the ones that send them to the red paint aliens is that right anyways they got better makeup and they're greedy guys and then or the no the opposite the paint aliens sent them to that guy i think okay yeah all right yeah, and then the so they they have to negotiate, and then Quark almost sells Kira's earrings, and she's like, and and just like Avery Brooks's Quark, just his delivery of I don't know. That's, I mean, that acting's good in this episode. Yeah, this episode's working in a lot of lot of cylinders. Yeah, yeah, and then that guy sends them to the Calgon, no, the Kalanon <laughs> system. The Calgon, take me away, system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kalanon system, take me away. <laughs> and that's when Odo. Yeah. And I guess I want to deal with the Aldo storyline 
in this episode is just like like a whole its own thing. But like that's when Odo sees. Sure, yeah, oh, that's he's fair. like a salmon swimming up. He's like trying. He's like a salmon trying to <laughs> yes. swim up river. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, he, he's not the Odo we know anymore. No. He's basically going on crazy instinct. Yeah. Right. Well, he's full fourteen year old. Yeah. I think I said before, paint my room black, and you can't stop me, Dad. <laughs> I'm gonna go smoke my clove cigarettes in the dark. But I'm taking my girlfriend with me. Like. <laughs> yeah. 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 So he, that's where he first sees the Orion Nebula. Cisco gives him the. Oh yeah, the Omar, the the what nebula? Or Orion or Iranian Omar? The Omarian nebula. Omarian. Oh, Oma, Omarian. Omarian nebula. Okay, which is where a planet is. Yeah. yeah. So there's something. There's something in that nebula, and it's not fucking coffee. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't Voyager. And then yeah, Cisco has the team player talk the odo you're not a team player that's what starfleet's problem with you is talk somewhere in there uh, then he has oh, that yeah. same talk with kira a little bit later on yeah where he's, yeah. she's like you guys all hate him and he's like well can you blame them you know can you blame you can't really blame starfleet right, for right. hating a guy who wants to stomp on everybody's civil liberties all the time <laughs> yeah. right right <laughs> well yes and starfleet likes team players starfleet likes the chain of command and frankly so do i it's, and I think that that's a good. I think that that does a good job of putting a wedge between Odo and Cisco. Just that he doesn't hate Odo. Right. It's just that the, he's not. He's not what everyone would like in a position that now seems to be very important. Yeah. Right. And it also further fleshes out. We learn more about what Cisco's about. He likes, you know, oh, yeah, tell us what you're about. Like, yeah. you know, he's willing to bend the rules, but I like the chain of command. I like blah, blah, blah. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. And it sounds like a captain or a commander talk. I <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And I think that you see that through, like, the whole process of getting to the Ormari Nebula, the, the the Calamari Nebula. Yeah, yeah. Is that you see him do an effective job of getting a team to work together. Like, the Romulan is working with O'Brien and, like, oh, I didn't think of that. Maybe we need to turn down the power more. They could see. And so you see, like, that kind of good character building just watching people do their job well yeah 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 there's an anti-proton scan is like oh yeah yeah to have people good at their job working together can we skip to the part where the Jim Hadar actually discover them and fire on them and the Defiant finally has to fire back yeah 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 that was actually sort of thrilling to see the Defiant be so bad at. Oh, like, yes. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When it goes, yeah, like, the, the, <laughs> I guess that new cinematographer's paying off. Yeah. Yeah, when it shoots like the little Gatlin phaser <laughs> yes. fires, like, oh, shit. That was yeah, cool. that was awesome. Yeah. The shaky camera and shit blowing up was working really well. And when they board. Yeah. And then, well, first they send Dax and O'Brien down to the planet at this relay station. And then they get, oh, yeah, yeah. They lose them. And then Cisco has to make one of those really hard captain choices for a commander mm-hmm. um, where he's like to rule Romulan is like they're gone we gotta let them go and the Bashir's like we can't let them go they're individuals and we everybody's invaluable and she's like you gotta let that shit go and then Bashir's like are you what you listen to this you hear what she's saying and then Cisco's like she's right we gotta go and they take off mm-hmm. hard choices well I think we forget that Cisco has been in the shit before that's true that yeah. Borg stuff that he lived through he lost his wife on the job, mm-hmm. that's gonna harden you. Like he's battle tested. Yeah, yeah. He's up to making these decisions. Yeah, he he can. We just seen him play Dungeons and Dragons and move along home. <laughs> you gotta forget that. Yeah, right. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, he's we're setting up. He knows he'll make the hard choices. Yes, he, yes, he will. <laughs> and even and then they get boarded and then Chip gets foobarred. And speaking of like when his wife dies, this reminded me the closest thing we've seen in Deep Space Nine actually was from the very pilot for all that Borg ship, especially like when his wife is covered by all this debris and everything. It looks a lot like the debris that Kira gets knocked over in that yeah. Odo has to dig oh, around Oh, that's in. right, yeah. That's a good call. Yeah, that, that is a good call. And then it does, you get to see, that was all really, really well done. And I really just, like, emotionally love the write, the writing conception that you have that attack and basically you feel like, it, you feel like you just watched every major character die. Mm-hmm. You do know that Odo is trying to get Kira away into a, an escape pod, so they give you that much information, but it looks like every, and then everything just goes to black, and then Kira wakes up on the escape pod. Right, because he doesn't even, and he doesn't even want to want to get it for nice reasons. No. He's like a total selfish teenager who's like, I need to steal a car mm-hmm. to sneak out and go to this place over here against dad's wishes. Well, he gets the he gets the seller on it that I just saved your life because everybody else died. But he had expressed the desire to just steal the escape pod already. Yeah, yeah, before then even. And then, so that was actually the line when she wakes up. She's like, what do you mean? You took, you did that, you know, you stole, you're wearing a shuttlecraft. We have to go back for him. He's like, sorry, we're in the Omarion Nebula. And she's like, hey, I didn't say we could do that. And he's like, well, you didn't object at the time and she's like i was unconscious <laughs> yes. and that's a little bit problematic <laughs> was, yeah you didn't object at that time yeah that was a little bit sticky too <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like ooh, gross odo you're you're not that cool anymore so we have two lines that in context weren't awful necessarily no but just uh, you would have cut you would have chucked those lines out. any writer would have chucked those lines out of a modern script yeah no like, yeah. i don't know Maybe don't make this a racial issue. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but that definitely that that was all kinds of weird. But like for the rest of the episode, you don't go back. You just but it worked well. You just think everybody died. Yeah, like it doesn't. Well, I mean, obviously you know because you're a thinking yeah, yeah. person. You know that they didn't. You know that there's a next episode. Right, right. And I'm sure they played a next on after this episode. But sure, sure. Yeah. So you just spend the rest of the time with Kara. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, and, and you know, he did the hey, he's a good guy, he saved Kira. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he was he would have done that shit anyways. He was ready to do that even before everybody died. Yeah. And it all leads up to basically the biggest reveal of the whole series, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Half the reveal. Yeah, they find a rogue planet in the Omarian Nebula, a rogue class M planet. Mm-hmm. Which that's the one like angry nerd corner moment I had. That's what like there's a rogue. a rogue planet is a planet without a that has no star system. Yeah, I mean it's possible I guess that you find a class M rogue planet, but to find a class M planet, you would have to have heat and warmth. Angry yeah. To find a class M planet without a star system would be crazy. I mean, what kind of unless it has an internal heat source? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. It's it's very angry nerd. You're, you're right, but then you could also think that the I must call them. <sighs> Shit, I'm so, we're so close to a spoiler, but it doesn't happen in this episode. That I, yeah, but anyway, that I, I I believe that the Odo people <laughs> could have maybe propped the planet up to be a class M planet. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, it's fine. It actually makes sense. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I you know, like done stuff to it to make it class M. I yeah, right, right. I just like, I mean, it's fine that they didn't go into detail about it. I won't get too butthurt about it. Yeah. But if they were more amazed at a rogue planet being a class M, and that's all. Yeah. Like, it's like a, a class M rogue <laughs> planet. That's crazy. Yeah, you would have liked that. Would have been a nice line that Kira maybe could have said. Yeah. And Odo goes, I know, and then they go down. You know. Yeah. So they land in, and then all of the these Odo people and they look all look exactly like Odo. Yeah. And they're all in these salmon velour dresses even the men (laughs) yeah it's like it's like a starfleet outfit from star trek the motion picture yes yeah or is it lamb a i don't (laughs) i don't know my old old people clothes but that may be either lamb a or velour i can't tell but um it's it's a very weird image yeah and they all have odo hair yes yeah and they all have the odo can't quite make a face thing going on so that you know visually that they're odo people they all look like eric trump like a version of Eric Trump. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! There's all these melty Eric Trumps coming right. out of the water. If Eric Trump was getting ready, like getting ready for bedtime, and he slipped on that outfit to go to sleep, I, I bet you Eric Trump does sleep in that outfit that they're all wearing. Yeah. Well, it's like this is where they get their Eric Trumps. They just haven't fully gestated in their pods yet. Right. <laughs> they're still a little waxy, you know. So that's the big reveal. Yeah. And I do know tidbit uh, Rene Aubergenois mm-hmm. did not uh, ever want to know where Odo came from. And he was uh, pretty pissed really about this reveal. And then they had to like lay out. No, this is like we envision this as the start of your character. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of a thing that I re- I think that there was just a, a general sort of not liking the Iris Stephen Bear overarching plan that got laid down. And then they, obviously it's the plan that works. So and I think they had to kind of like sell everyone on it. Right, right. But I mean, yeah, yeah. So that was the thing. Yeah, like our showrunner left and now we have this guy coming on, yeah. stepping up. But hey, we don't know. The guy who wrote the Ferengi episodes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And I think that then they had to say like, no, like I think he just got the script for this episode and he didn't get the next episode that unloads Uh, that there's a much bigger portent for Odo now. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, he thinks it was just kind of tacked on and wedged onto like an episode about another thing. Spoiler alert. It's not about another thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So do we think, how do we like whiny tea? Like, do we like, Odo's arc in this episode because if there was because we don't we're not doing it anymore but if I had to change one thing maybe I would tinker with he does seem a little 14 year old sulky yeah I will say I did I thought this when I was watching that it's like you know what he's he's all emo teenager but you know he's a pretty great actor I don't think that's a big yeah, yeah, like yeah, no. hey but but seriously guys I don't know if you knew <laughs> Rene Aubergenois is actually a pretty wonderful actor and then I was thinking you know what if they made this show today I've talked before like in that Dax episode where everyone in Hollywood has to be young and beautiful now so they mm-hmm. to have like an older person like I love like grumpy old men playing emo teenagers i actually love that like peter capaldi and doctor who mm-hmm. it's not exactly a teenager but he's like like grumpy old men can be like a grumpy old man being a teenager is endearing to me i like rick, that rick, but if whereas you get like rick a, sanchez from rick and morty yeah 
Yeah. I mean, it's a cartoon, but still. <laughs> yeah, it's the same premise. Yeah, but if you had like David Boreanaz or something being this teenager, I'd be like, fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also think it's tempered with so much good st- other good stuff that we get. I agree. We get a lot of good stuff. So I think if we had like two more Odo scenes, we would be like at our wits end with them. Yeah. yeah. I think we had just enough that it doesn't bother us that much. Right. And, you know, some of the Kira Odo stuff was actually pretty good too she's like i'm your friend you know yeah you mm-hmm. got onto her about being patronizing so we're, we're actually seeing like the ball move down the field a little bit between those two characters mm-hmm. yeah in a way that you know it yeah it works it matters yeah 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 it's not it doesn't feel forced it's just like oh yeah they're real you were it, saying that what it would be like if it was done to if it was being done today my guess is that it would be something like someone starts hearing all along the watchtower Odo starts hearing all along the watchtower in his head, <laughs> and he's drawn to go to the like nebula to go see like where that song comes from. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Man, think yeah. Ronald D. Moore was taking notes <laughs> and, and, and making that different, I guess, <laughs> right. in his head. Uh, you guys want to? You guys want to move on and guess the star rating on IMDb? Oh. 7.7. I'm going to hit a, I think it hits 8. Yeah, I hope you're right. Okay, this one uh, had 639 votes, which is way higher than the average. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's high. And it is actually an 8.3. Whoa. Nice. Yeah. Which is a, a, one of the higher, like, non-classic. Yeah. You know, for not being, a, like, a classic episode like considered a classic yeah. by star trek fans yeah yeah it's not like the visitor it's pretty damn high it's not a top 10 <laughs> you know no yeah i mean it's a good episode it's a great episode yeah. it's great for the myth setting the mythos correctly but yeah that's mm-hmm. not a yeah yeah it's not the ones that i mean i guess you remember it as being the first change the first odo people <laughs> to show up <laughs> <laughs> oh shit we'll cut that out right? well you don't say the you don't uh, say the, the the magic word yeah they are changelings you don't say the <laughs> yeah yeah no no I, that that doesn't surprise me at all all right so so are we ready to do the oh right yes so yeah. and then we'll... now we will <laughs> go to the phones yes we're going to jump around in time a little bit and and i don't even know what yeah. like we I, can cut is this going to be you people calling us assholes is this going to be us calling you assholes I don't know. <laughs> or, or maybe you're just we're just, we're just like a, a few old friends trying to trying to reconnect. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I hope the first call is about? About how uh, it was it was totally absolutely correct to uh, compare the Bajoran resistance to the Viet Cong. Uh, oh man, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's wrong. To, oh man, here we go. Again. Yeah, you almost took the bait. To, I just almost took the bait. Wait. Yeah, it's like it's you the moral. Have... Yeah, it's, oh, that's what sets them apart. They're... So close to taking the bait on that. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I still am. We almost got sucked back down that hole again. <laughs> All right. I hope it's about that. Hello. This is the Rules of Acquisition uh, mailbag or whatever the hell we're calling this. Yeah. I'm recording from an undisclosed location in New England, I guess, which is weird for me. But anyways, uh, let's just jump right into it. Okay. Let's play some voicemail and get some responses from people. And this is a new segment that we're doing. So you can tell us if we're assholes, how much you love us, and... Everything to 917-408-3898. Anything else y'all want to say? Hit it. Yeah, hit it. All right. So which one are we listening to? We'll start with the voicemail from Paul. 
Paul, I think, is the host of the Varmints podcast on Blazing Caribou Studios Network. But uh, he's been, been a big fan of the show for a while. He has a good podcast about animals called Varmints. I recommend it. You can go listen to that. But anyways, all right. But uh, this is about us right now. <laughs> so, and him. He's going to tell us what he thinks. Um, okay, we'll just jump into hey, it. Hey, guys. This is Paul. Uh, yeah, Dr. Bashir. He's kind of like the jar of capers of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. What I mean by that is, you know, capers are good in a dish. Like if you have a nice piece of broiled salmon or maybe like a pasta dish and it's got a few capers in it, the capers kind of add a little bit of flavor, but you never see anybody just eating a jar of capers with a fork because they're disgusting by themselves. And uh, also Terry Farrell, she's a lovely person and she's really not that bad. Her acting is okay. Come on, give her a break. Okay, bye. I totally eat capers, but I totally have ate spoonfuls of capers. Before. I've totally ate spoonfuls of capers before. <laughs> yeah, like who doesn't love capers? <laughs> okay, I've never had a caper. So, oh, really? Yes, this is the Paul. Thank you for the call. First oh, yeah. off, uh, is this and, the first time it, that, that Hugh Hugh is not an eater? Yeah, I uh, I'm not. I mean, he eats, but he's yeah. So, Paul, you've got you've hit both ends of the spectrum here. You've got one guy who can't get enough of capers just by themselves, <laughs> and. And then you've got one guy who's just sitting here and who has no idea what you're talking about because it's not even a food. I have no frame of reference. However, I think your point about Bashir, I think it's cute that you're sticking up for him. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I think it's good that you go through life and you have like a positive spin on such a horrible thing. <laughs> so uh, He's the guy who has a positive mindset towards menstruation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> towards menstruation. <laughs> Sorry, that's a Kids in the Hall reference for everybody. <laughs> that's right. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, but no, that's that's cool. And I and I actually, I back up Paul's assertion that Terry's not as bad as she has been made out to seem on this podcast. I have, on a couple occasions, wanted to reevaluate just how bad she is compared to others on the show. I, I will take you up on that. No, uh, it was weird because we just got uh, the last episode we had was the uh, Courtney episode, I guess, that went up. And so, like, she wants to bash Terry Farrell just as much as I do. And so I felt like there was a lot that I cut out of that. We, we kind of went to town on her. I, <laughs> hey, I, I man, will say that we can I, get off of her, okay? Like, I, <laughs> I want to I'm going to side with Paul. She's not that, that bad. She's she is she's totally fine, and bad. she is a lovely person. She's totally she's, that bad, but in the world, if, if you're going to look at the world, that there are good people in this world and there are bad people in this world, and it seems from everything that I've read or heard that Terry Farrell is a good person in this world. So, I mean, I don't want to be, you know, I'm in a position where I, I bad mouthing like a girl for, you know, or not a girl, a woman for what she did 25 years ago, being highly critical, and it doesn't seem like, it seems like I'm the one that's fighting the dumb battle here, so... <laughs> Yeah, well, but, uh, but yeah, she gets well, better. She uh, okay, has okay, more interesting storylines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, she does. Uh, okay, all right. And let's but just move on. I agree with you, to, oh. uh, but I, I want to ask. I want to answer Paul's capers thing. I think that I, I feel that way. I think that he's right. That a little bit of Bashir, he's got the kind of personality where like a distinct flavoring in the in the mix is good. But when you get the full on Bashir, my favorite parts of him in the search part one is like when he comes in and just like is throwing shade at Quark. Yeah, you should be. I mean, it's an insult. (laughs) That was like the best Bashir moment for me this whole time. And Bashir, I think definitely gets better, both as quality of the writing of the character and the actor. I know you disagree with that. I know. I'm, 
Paul, I think it's I think I think Paul's call, I appreciate it. It's admirable that he's trying to like reconcile his awfulness with something in, in that's applicable to real life. <laughs> what else do we got in the mailbag? Okay, I think uh we got a long one here. Right now, I think the voicemail cuts off at around three minutes, but it's my guess because I think this kind of ends. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this I believe is from uh Warren Cantrell, who you can find on Twitter at Tinrant. But yeah, we'll just jump into it and see what he has to say here. Y'all ready? Oh, yeah. All right. And uh, it is my pleasure to, to leave you a voicemail to tell you what a great job you're doing, uh, how much am I enjoying the podcast on a, a weekly basis. And that, uh, yeah, on a Monday, it's a, a bright spot on an otherwise long slog ahead of me in a, uh, a dark and dreary world that we now live in. But um, again, much kudos to, to all three of you fellows and uh, the encouragement to keep up the good work. Uh, I do have to air a couple grievances because, gosh, it's gotten better this uh, second season recap and review, but you fellas were just murderously brutal on Nana Visitor. And, uh, well, you know, that's justified at times, and I understand that, but uh, if I can come to her defense in one thing and one thing only, let me just say that uh, she's not a community actress or local, uh, you know, doll who they just plucked out of nowhere and stuck on Deep Space Nine. Uh, Miss Visitor is a distinguished and long member of the L.A. Uh, TV family. We're talking episodes in Matlock, Empty Nest, Murder, She Wrote, Night Court, Doogie Howser, L.A. Law, Remington Steel, Knight Rider, Hunter, and two separate MacGyver appearances. I mean, this woman was working. So uh, it seems that the emphasis is to put it on the writing and not so much on the actress. And I think that's a, a good tack as we move into season three, because this is a woman who has put in her time, put in her hours. And uh, yeah, for my own part, and I think a, a lot of DS9 fans just love her to death. And um, if anyone's going to stick up for her, I was, I, was, I was hoping that someone would. And I thought, uh, why not myself? But um even more egregious, and I am sorry because you guys are great and I enjoy the show, but let's talk about Brian Thompson, a.k.a. Uh, Mr. Gold's Jim from the Rules of Acquisition episode, the uh, the horribly makeup <laughs> alien uh, muscle man who was trying to sell a cork tulaberry wine and some such nonsense. This guy has been around. We're talking multiple appearances on X-Files of the Alien Bounty Hunter, which was concurrent with DS9, those uh, roles. He was a, is and was a traveling minstrel in the LA TV scene. Very recognizable and heavily worked. He um, even made a TNG appearance. But um, let's not overlook this guy as, and yes, I, I'm a bit upset here because you guys are, are very well versed in Kafka. But Jesus Christ, he was the night slasher opposite Stallone in the 1986 classic Cobra. Let's get it together, <laughs> fellas. Crack open an IMDb. And, and, you know, to, to do a little due diligence before you start slamming these people as uh, plucked out of obscurity, because this guy in particular, Washington native, as a Seattle guy myself, I feel like i got to stand up for him. Brian Thompson. Uh, great, great. Okay. Okay, decent actor, but he's been around. They did just find this guy at the gym, and, you know, he, he did what he does best, and... Uh, and uh oh, did it cut off and uh that's that's i i don't know what happened after that because that's when it stops recording okay okay right off the bat i gotta say warren listen anytime you make reference to empty nest you're winning me over <laughs> so <laughs> i I, got, <laughs> I, got, I gotta lay down my spears and listen 
I've actually been pro Nana too, so I I don't think I've been as harsh as you guys. So I'll let you guys take the rest of this. I'm reformed on that. I've spoke about my reformation. Yeah, we came around yeah, on the yeah, Nana. Yeah, she was good. I mean, too. I will speak. I will speak on the Nana. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm even saying her name right I, now. No, but everybody calls her yeah, Nana, right? I guess so. Yeah. Okay. So he is. I had a little forethought on. I had a little heads up that this call was coming. And he, he is totally right about Brian Thompson. I looked. I don't know. I didn't know who he was. And I looked him up, and he is, like, a ton of things. Like, other things he's in. He's the villain in the first season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I mean, like, he is a, like, a trash house actor on the level of Robert Zadar, and I don't, and I didn't realize that. And I, and I feel, I feel like, I feel that he is justified in calling us out on the carpet for one of us not knowing that. I feel shamed, Warren, so I do. (laughs) (laughs) You've suitably shamed the podcast. I feel suitably shamed. (laughs) I hope you're proud of yourself and good job. I I really appreciate the kind words that he says about the podcast. Yes. But I also appreciate that he feels comfortable enough to air his grievances. So, yeah. Uh And it's justified. Like, that was a a justified. Looking back over this guy's, uh, the things that this guy's been in, I've seen tons of stuff he's in. Uh, Just, just, uh, for instance, the Mockbuster, the sort of the trans morpher version of the expendables called the extendables he's the lead in that <laughs> he plays the size stallone role oh, in the, he's the lead extendable he's the lead extendable yes well <laughs> what does that mean extendable like it he, means you got really it, it, long it, it, it reach you yeah, it means you might accidentally buy that movie because you think your favorite old-time action heroes are going to pop up. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and they were. And, and I think they didn't, I looked over the rest of the cast of that, and it's not that. But that could have been a pretty great sort of, like, all the good trauma actors and, like, uh, Samurai Cop could have been in that. And it, But it's not that. It's just Brian Thompson, but still. <laughs> Uh, one of the the second guy, the second labeled cast member of the Extendables was in the Reanimator with Jeffrey Combs. Uh, Craig Kilborn is in the Extendables. How about that? <laughs> of course he is. Oh, Lee Garlington is she's a shit movie mainstay. She's in it. She was also in. She was in Cobra. Okay. Also. Okay. Well, Wade, what else you got on the docket for us on the voicemails? Let me see. Do we want to get Twiggy in? Yeah, this is one of our international listeners. Mm-hmm. So he sent in a he emailed in a voicemail. We have an accent alert coming on the show. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a it's a beautiful accent. I find it. Oh, I love I love the Irish or the Australian. So accent. okay, this this first Twiggy is in reference to the collaborator. He called in a while back. Okay. Let's see at Twiggy Flow on Twitter. Yeah, here's what he has to say about collaborator. The Extendables also has Gary Graham, who was in, uh, who had a the reoccurring role on Enterprise oh. as a Vulcan ambassador, Soval, and he was also in Alienation and the lead in Robot Jocks. Okay, so this Extendables role, I mean, this is not the worst. All right, sorry. Okay. Um, so here we go, and okay, here's Twiggy's voicemail, and okay, yes. y'all ready? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. and here we go. Hey guys, this is Twiggy. Just giving my two cents on. Your wrap-up of the Collaborator episode. Uh, Firstly, I'm not sure if we should continue to play the nipple game because ultimately we're not going to get the result we want. And I feel (laughs) that every episode we play it, we're just losing a little bit more. Also, I largely agree with James's opinions on the decisions made 
in regards to the resistance. I think that with a group that we would consider to be a rather small percentage of fighters versus population, giving up 40-odd fighters for a 1,000 civilians doesn't make the most sound military uh, sense. But I think the problem with this decision is the fact that because Kai Alpaca made it, she's not really tied into their their military leadership or governance system, she would be making this sort of a decision purely from the point of view of a religious or spiritual leader who would very much have the stance of, well, we can't just kill off 1,000 innocent people here. So from that point of view, it would probably make more sense from her perspective to give up the smaller number to save the greater number. That's about all I've got to say about that, really. Uh, thanks for taking my feedback, and uh, move along home, boys. <laughs> ah, the Viet Cong. Oh, man. That, that Twiggy, thank you so much for that. Uh, right. That voicemail was definitely one of the highlights of our night. Uh, anytime, anytime you – was he referencing the nipple? Yes, the nipple, the nipple yes, game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Oh, James's nipple right. corner. Nipple yeah. corner. <laughs> this is for he he sent this in before tribunal, which uh, we yeah, got another got nipple, nipple corner, corner game. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. It's his, just going to be analysis was of Kaiopaka's position as a religious leader and coming from that angle is it's pretty spot on. It's pretty much spot on. So yeah. yeah, 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 very much so. I wanted to say when I listened to it the first, I was like, okay, that's that's what I should have said because yeah. yeah, she's not fucking. Uh, Viet Cong, she's a religious leader. She's not. She's not making the military decisions. I know. She's but I'm just, just trying I, to save and, lives. And my point is, is he's. I mean, he's right. I'm saying that it should have been a conversation in the episode. Kira, yeah, fair enough. Kira is military, and was a member of the resistance. Yeah. So her resp- her reaction should have been. I don't know. Yeah, it's here like, we go again. Yeah, so we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the Viet Cong yeah, like, for twenty minutes. Wait a minute. What am I doing? I don't want this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I'm done. Yeah, shut it down. Uh, so no, that's right. And nipple corner. We don't. I mean, we know where it's gonna take us. We know we're not. It's not gonna be anywhere good. But I, I still think you know we're a, we're four boys talking about Deep Space Nine. We gotta have something for the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> and that something is going to be O'Brien's nipples. Yeah. The, I, um, you know what? Yes. I, I, I think the ladies appreciate Bashir more than they appreciate O'Brien's nipples, I believe. Do we get Bashir nipples? Who knows? Stay tuned. No, but that, that tight onesie yes. from uh, Rivals. Wait right? a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's back up. I do not. Are there women out there who don't prefer? I got to I gotta imagine the majority of women who are fans of the show prefer O'Brien. No. No. Animal magnetism. No. I think you I think you got to Courtney no. Courtney <laughs> went and talked for 20 minutes I had to cut it down on how hot Bashir was. Yeah, you're totally wrong uh, on that one. Well, <laughs> that's a yeah. losing game. Well, I'm telling you what, if you feel otherwise, if you feel that O'Brien is sexier than Bashir, you should give us a call <laughs> and leave a voicemail. Men or women, doesn't matter. We're not judging. Yeah. We're in an enlightened place here. Like, yeah. But yeah. So that's true. I mean, but it, maybe we do get Bashir nipple. Who knows? Who knows? I will balance that against Barile's. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it for voicemails this week. If you have a better name that we should call this segment, let us know or whatever. Uh, we'll have more of them for you next week. 
call in and let us know what you think if you want to. We look forward to hearing your calls. And Well, that's that's <laughs> it for the search part one. Join us next week when we will be going over the search part two. Surprise, surprise. Yep. And uh, you guys have anything else or are we good? I think we're good. All right. Three to beam out. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes. Please follow us on Twitter at AcquisitionPod. And on Tumblr at the rules of AcquisitionPodcast.tumblr.com. We're gonna get more calm and normal. We're gonna fix our state of mind. We're gonna be less crazy. We're gonna finally be fine. We're gonna stand holding hands in a brand new land. Far away from the borderline. We're gonna seem like a mainstream podcast. And be appealing to all Trek kind. We're gonna have more fun and be less weird than the first two years combined. And we're gonna live forever. And we're gonna sleep together. And we're gonna finally be sunny and shinily. We're gonna finally be fine.